1: This is the first Sunday of the month, and we like to celebrate what God is doing through us into the digital space. So we have our online experience goes live 10 a.m. every Sunday. So it's happening right now. Tom William Murphy is uh, looking gorgeous on camera this week. He's wearing a vintage T-shirt that's brand new. Anyway, I'm so confused. Um, and so that's happening, and then uh, the message only goes uh, only version eleven, and then it's available on demand. After that's great. Uh, the McLaughlins over here had a friend visiting from interstate last weekend, and uh, they thought about bringing him here, but they thought that you all are a little too scary. And so instead, they stayed home and their friend joined them. They had a watch party at uh, 10am in our online experience. So just great. I love that, that that's an option. And they took that and the, the unchurched friend was very encouraged by that whole thing. Now, we also have our podcast just about to hit 85,000 listens. And I want you to, someone probably had need to write this down. When we hit 100,000, I can't say when, but hopefully sooner rather than later, we will have cake. All right, there you go, all right. So, you know, if you want cake faster, maybe you get on and listen to our podcast and there'll be cake before you know it. Anyway, now, it's December, everybody. 3rd of December, we put our Christmas tree up yesterday. Anybody put your tree up? Anybody hasn't put your tree up? Anybody going full Grinch, no tree for you? All right, Molly, all right, okay. Uh, (laughs) Anyone finished their Christmas shopping? Any, Marianne, very un-African of you. Anyone hasn't started their Christmas shopping? Yeah, all right, yeah, it's a majority. Uh, But you've seen it, the Christmas decorations are popping up in the streets, in the shopping centres. Mariah Carey's been thawed out for her annual rounds on the radio stations. (laughs) Cryogenically frozen for the other 11 months of the year then dominates for a month. The uh, debate resumes this time of year as to whether Die Hard and Home Alone are actually Christmas movies. Who's team Christmas movie? Who's, no, it just happens to be around. Anyway, uh, look. Now, there's another couple of usual suspects. There's the one, keep Christ in Christmas, very well-meaning. I'm sort of into that, I get it. Uh, And then there's the other one, which we saw in the open video, this idea that Jesus is the reason for the season. And you see these sort of slogans thrown around them, bumper stickers or wall or Christmas decorations, T-shirts maybe sometimes. Um, But as we kick off this new series, I just want to float an idea. I'm not here to pick a fight, but I just want to float an idea that maybe Jesus isn't the reason for the season or it just, stay with me, stampede, or at maybe a minimum, uh, thinking of Jesus being the reason for the season is only one side of the coin. See, and here's why I put that idea out there. See, if, if everything was perfect on earth, there would have been no reason for God to send His Son into the world. Jesus abandoned heaven. If we were such a mess, see, no mess requires no rescue. But because we were such a mess, God sent Jesus. So technically, we're the trigger. Technically, we are the reason for the season. Now, look, if this is kind of new, like, hmm, interesting. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. Just a couple of PSAs. Don't go into work tomorrow and tell your messy boss you're the reason for the season because it just might get a bit lost in translation. Or don't get the T-shirt made for yourself. I'm the reason for the season because it's just, no. Trust me. Now, when I was in my early 20s, uh, one of the jobs I worked at for a period was the head athletic trainer for a semi-professional Australian rules football club based down in, in the Fremantle area. And uh, I remember I just happened to be out in Fremantle on a Sunday one day, sort of early in the, the football season. I was just walking around doing the touristy thing. And I bumped into my, uh, the coach of the team and his wife, and they'd had a baby about a year before. And oh, fancy running into you guys. Uh, this and, that. and then at some point in the conversation, I turned to the wife and I said, oh, congratulations, you're pregnant again. And she said, actually, no, I'm not. And I was vividly aware in that moment that there was no possible opportunity to put that toothpaste back in the tube. That 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 it's yes, I I said that out loud. Now, the coach was also the captain, he was like a captain coach, a player coach, and so he would play every week. So, his wife and their one year old, his not pregnant wife and their one year old son would be at the games every single week, and every single week, I would see her and do everything I could to avoid her, because I every time I saw her, I was reminded of this dumb thing that I said that I had absolutely no power to change. The crime had been committed. But I wonder if you've said or done something dumb that you wish you could kind of, walk back. You know, maybe you have t- trouble managing your temper and you've teed off at a loved one and afterwards you wish that you hadn't but you can't take it back. You know, maybe you've found yourself at some point in your life stuck in some destructive behavior and the and the narrative that you've been telling yourself is I won't, I won't, I won't uh, I did. Maybe just You look at your life now and you think back 10 years before, and life doesn't look as good as you'd hope, and you're kind of stuck in disappointment. The problem with these sorts of scenarios is they have the ability to hold us back. Because the reality is, and you know this, that the past doesn't always stay in the past, it has this uncanny ability to keep pace with us in our present and not just keep pace with us, but constantly remind us of that dumb thing or those dumb things that we said and done in our past. And so the question I'm asking today is, is that something we can move beyond? Or are we going to be stuck with our past following us around everywhere? If you've got your uh, smartphone camera, how about you scan this flow code? It's going to take you to Luke chapter 22. We're going to read from the message version. Now Luke was a medical doctor, go medical doctors. And uh, he wasn't actually one of Jesus' hand-picked followers. He was, after Jesus had died and risen again and returned to heaven, Luke took it upon himself to record eyewitness accounts. And so when we read Luke's, account of Jesus' life and ministry. It was actually, he wasn't present when it was happening. He was capturing eyewitness accounts from history while they were still fresh in people's minds. One of the people that shows up in Luke's account is a guy named Peter. Now, Peter is somebody who said and did some dumb stuff. One of it is like major league, like front page news dumb. And it's kind of not surprising. I mean, he was one of Jesus' handpicked 12 disciples, kind of the most overtly passionate, certainly the most outspoken. But sometimes he would speak first and think later. On the night that Jesus was about to be arrested, he gathered his 12 handpicked followers, one of which was Peter, and they had a meal together. During that meal, Jesus made the point that one of the 12 was going to betray him. And they were all like, Earth, not me, not me, not me. And then he said, after I've been arrested, one of you is gonna deny me three times, okay? To which Peter pipes up, no way would I ever, ever deny you. In fact, Peter said, in fact, I would sooner get killed than deny you even, even if all of these others deny you, not me, never gonna happen. Well, this is Luke. Arresting Jesus, they marched him off and took him into the house of the chief priest and Peter followed but at a safe distance. In the middle of the courtyard, some people started, it started a fire and were sitting around it trying to keep warm and one of the serving maids sitting at the fire noticed Peter And then took a second look and said, "Um, this man was with him. Well, Peter denied it. Woman, I don't even know him. Well, a short time later, someone else noticed Peter and said, no, no, you're one of them. But Peter denied it. Man, I am not. Well, about an hour later, someone else spoke up really adamant. No, no, he's he's got to have been with him. He's got Galilean written all over him. Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about translation peter this is not your finest moment not good now i grew up in church I, i'm i was kind of always somewhat familiar with this series of events but it's actually only recently that the very next thing that peter uh, that luke records happened that only recently jumped off the pages of history and punched me in the face Just then, this is literally the next thing, the master turned and looked at Peter. Now, if you're brave enough, I want you to imagine right now that in that moment, you're Peter. And Jesus is looking at you in the eye the Jesus that you'd followed for three years, the Jesus who was about to willingly be put to death to save messy people like you, Peter. What might you be feeling? Would it be guilt? Like, oh, I can't believe I just did that. Uh, would it be shame? Shame. You know, like, I really hope the others don't find out about this. Or would it be regret? Like, uh, I sure wish I could take that back, knowing full well that you can't. But this kind of feeling and these kind of emotions, they're, they're things that chances are we've all experienced for various reasons at different times in our own lives. You know, let down a loved one and you wish you could take it back. You know, people at your workplace were sort of piling on somebody else and you kind of joined in because you thought it might make you seem a bit more important than you are. You know, maybe in a, in, a, in, a, in a school setting, there was someone getting picked on and instead of helping them, you just ignored it. And if you did, I wonder if you ever found yourself wondering if God could ever forgive you if God could ever love you and if God could ever use you. Because I wonder if that's what Peter was thinking in this moment. Man, I have blown it and there is, <laughs> there is no way that God's going to ever be able to use me now. But here's the big idea that I want to put to you today. That while we can't change our past, God can change our future and this is really one of the reminders of christmas is god sent jesus into the world to actually make it possible for you and i to be forgiven to be reminded that you and i are loved and to be restored and put back on the path and the purpose that god has for us but it involves a journey it's not sort of just like add water and stir it's it's a journey and it starts with us Closing the door of our past. See, if you and I don't close the door of our past and actually let go of it, we'll never be able to open the door to the future God has for us. And if you're like, oh, sure, no, come on, that doesn't sound right to me. All right. I think, I'm pretty confident most of you live in some sort of enclosed dwelling. Here's what I want you to, if you're like, ah, look. shut the door of the past and let go of it. And, and, and it's only if I do that, that I can open the door that for the future God has for me. Here's what I want you to do, if you're not convinced that that's how this works. When you get home, go to the rear of your house, grab a hold of the rear door, sliding door, turning door, whatever it is. Grab a hold of that and, and, and keep a hold of it. And then reach and try to open the front door. <laughs> it's literally mutually exclusive. Now, here's more good news. Jesus doesn't just say, close the door of your past. He actually inserts Himself in our narrative. He actually inserts Himself in our story, in our journey, and works to empower us to be able to shut that door. Because that door just kind of hangs open, and the frosty winds of regret, And shame and guilt and accusation just tend to keep blowing and blowing and blowing. And until we shut that door, that will be our reality. So, several days after Jesus rose from the dead, He started to appear to various of His original followers. One incidents, this is several days later, he appeared to, to a small group of his followers on a beach. And the reason that he appeared to them on a beach is when he first picked them, they were all fishermen. And he said, like, leave your boats and come follow me and I'll teach you to be fishers of people. And so they spent three, three and a half years being trained, following him, immersing themselves in what Jesus had to, to show them. And then it seems that Jesus wasn't who He says He was because He got killed. And uh, so they just went back to fishing. Like they literally gave up on this promise, this dream, this idea that they could be used by God, that they were handpicked by this so-called Savior who'd prepared them. And, and, And in fact, so much so, they were so despondent and so detached from this that when Jesus showed up, they didn't even recognize Him. And it's like, what? It's like, yeah, but... He's meant to be dead. So a guy shows up and they didn't think it was Jesus until Jesus actually took some bread and broke it and started handing it out and took some fish that He'd cooked and started handing that out. And for these followers, this was not the first time they'd seen this in action. And seeing this man appear before them, breaking bread and fish and handing it out, in that moment, they recognised, oh, wow. This is Jesus. One of those people was Peter. And this is the first time that Peter had seen Jesus since the night that he'd denied him three times. Hashtag awkward. Super, super awkward. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John. When Peter had started following Jesus, his name was Simon, but Jesus gave him a new name, pointing to a new destiny, a new future. He called him Peter, which meant rock, steadfast, immovable. (laughs) And yet on that night that Jesus was arrested, Peter was anything but steadfast and immovable. In fact, he was very movable. And so his Jesus appeared to him again, doesn't call him Peter. Now I just kind of like sometimes like to let my mind run free. And I read this. And I wonder if it's something along the lines of when you were growing up and your mom would call out to you and she wouldn't just call you by your first name. She would put them all together in a sentence. Mark John Pomery which was code for, oh no, I'm in trouble. (laughs) Which in that moment automatically leads to, uh uh-oh, here it comes. I wonder if that's what Peter's thinking in that moment, because he's guilty. Okay, Jesus, let me have it. I deserve it. Instead, Jesus asked him one simple question. Do you love me? Not, what were you thinking? Not, do you love me? And then the interaction continues. Yes, Master, you know I love you. Well, Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. Now, he asked him a second time, and then he asked A third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Well, Peter was upset that he asked for the third time, do you love me? So he answered, Master, you know everything there is to know. You've got to know that I love you. Well, Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter was upset. (laughs) Sounds fair enough, right? I mean, come on. You didn't believe the first time you asked me? I said, yeah, I love you. You had to ask me three times. Really what this points to is that Jesus is more interested in Peter's long-term healing than his short-term feelings. And I know this to be true. Now, just if you had a big breakfast this morning, just, I need to warn you, that might be about to come up. A number of years ago, I was racing in a triathlon down in the Carrie Valley region, southwest of Western Australia, forest, woods, uh, bumpy roads. And I was on the bike portion of the race and I was going down a hill. I later discovered that my carbon fibre frame had a pretty a big crack in it. Didn't know it at the time. The crack caused what we call in cycling culture the death wobbles. And my bike turned upside down and, and flung me off. And I slid down this hill on my back. For what I'm later told, because I passed out, uh, later told was quite a long way. A long stretch. And uh, if you haven't been to Carry Valley area recently, just let me know, these are not the smoothest paved roads in Western Australia. So I got scooped up by an ambulance, whisked to the local Pemberton Hospital Emergency Department. I was literally the only person there. It, and it turns out that I was still the owner or at least my back was, still the owner of quite some quite significant sections of the road surface that I'd slid on. I'd brought them with me. And the nurse began picking them out and scrubbing them out. And do you know what? This unfeeling nurse, never at one point did she ask me, Does this hurt? (laughs) It was assumed. This hurts. She knew. She didn't go, now on a scale of one to 10, 75. Didn't even ask. Because she knew that the only way that she was gonna jumpstart my process of deep healing was that if she went and started the process of deep cleaning. And it's not that she was uncaring, it's that she was very caring. She was more interested in my long-term healing than my short-term feelings. It was brutal. But today, my back looks like a baby's bottom. You can just take my word for that. Thanks, nursey. And this is where actually some people get stuck, is they know that there's some stuff that keeps coming through the door of their past, but they're not willing to allow God to do the deep work that He needs to do precisely because it's painful while it's happening. But I would put it to you that the pain that you experience in the healing process, whilst it's short-term and intense often, will take you to a future where you no longer have to carry around the pain from your past that was holding you back from your future. And so here's Jesus asking Peter three times he was trying to do a deep work of healing, But it wasn't just to say, okay, fine, great. Enjoy your fishing, fellas. He was actually trying to get Peter back on the track of his purpose. To not just restore the relationship, but also restore this very thing that, that Jesus had seen in him that caused him to handpick him in the first place three and a half years prior. That caused him to train him. That caused him to rename him. The very purpose that Peter thought that he'd blown, and this is one of the big reminders of Christmas is that Jesus doesn't just save us for us, he saves us for purpose, he saves us for others. And so, Christmas is often talked about this time of good news. You know, the angel declared that, that, that I'm bringing to me, I'm bringing you good news. Well, now. We are the ones that are given the responsibility and the opportunity to step into a future and a purpose where we are good news, that we are indeed part of the reason for the season. Now, this series is to be continued. We're going to teach next week and the following week. And then the following week is Christmas Eve, which, by the way, happens on a Sunday this year. Tom and I were trying to figure out the other day how often that happens. I don't. Know. It's too. It's we. We can only do boy math, so we didn't have a chance to figure out how often it happens. But it doesn't happen often. So we're going to meet here 10 a.m. live experience Christmas Eve. It will be because normally we do the evening, and it's a week night, and some people have a clock Kent job, and then they have to get here, and then they have to rush off. This will be a, a, a really really unique opportunity. So be praying, be investing, be inviting. Um, that that your Unchurched and de church friends and family might consider saying yes to an invitation to being here. All right, one, just one more thing uh, is um, and when we say this when we launch a new series, uh, how are we doing here? Oh, is that me, Bradley? Are you going to take over? Nope. Just the QR code. It's probably a Mark Pomery user issue. I'll have another coaching conversation with myself. Uh, we'll be uh, launching a new featured plan in the Elevate Church section of the Bible app. If you haven't already set Elevate Church as my church, you can do that. You scan this QR code. And uh, so yeah, tomorrow we'll launch a new feature plan. I do these every week. Growing number of you are doing these every week. It's just a really uh, excellent opportunity to take an even deeper dive into what it is God's wanting to teach us.
0: We really hope you have got a lot out of this message.